Hello, everybody, and welcome to Staying Fit ODAT. My name is Migs, and I'm your host. ODAT is an acronym for one day at a time that I picked up in early sobriety and something that's stuck with me every day since. On today's episode, we're going to have Phil. Not only is Phil a personal friend of mine that I've had the pleasure of meeting recently, but he is also someone that has agreed to be my sponsor since the recording of this episode. And I can't wait to start the steps with him and all of that wonderful work from the beginning again. And I can't wait for you all to hear his story, how he's staying healthy, how he's staying fit, and how he's doing this one day at a time. All right. Thank you so much for being on the episode with us today. Phil, how are we doing? Oh, doing great, Megs. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, wonderful. Uh, long time no talk, man. I think it's been about uh, <laughs> eight and a half hours since we last uh, talked and seen each other's beautiful faces. Uh, you definitely kept me up way past my bedtime last night, you know, but it was fun. It was all good. So. <laughs> now, if anybody is uh, wondering what I meant by that little inside joke. So last night um, we did the recording of the Meet the Gang podcast episode. So um, obviously with the release dates, they won't necessarily be in order. But by the time you're listening to this episode, if you just like to put time frames together, this was recorded the day after that episode, um, literally starting eight and a half hours after we hung up that Zoom meeting. So here we go. We're about to have some more fun with our boy, Phil, um, who is, I, I guess I don't want to speak for you, but I'm just going to use your own words here. A huge fan of the podcast. Um, listen to every episode at least once, some more than once. And we all, we will, uh, we will definitely have time for you to explain uh, what the podcast means to you and uh, what you get out of it and what you enjoy most about it. But before we get there and before we start talking stories, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do for a living, um, any of that fun stuff. Okay. Uh, as I said, my name's Phil. Uh, last name is Deg. Rhymes with leg. Um, I am a lifelong resident of beautiful Downingtown, Pennsylvania. And I have a beautiful wife, Francine, who I've been married to coming up on 10 years later this year. And she has never seen me uh, pick up a drink. So uh, I want to keep it that way. Beautiful. I got three grown sons and I love them. And thanks to this program, uh, they're still a part of my life. Thanks to my sobriety, I mean. Um, I've been a UPS driver now for over 33 years. People keep asking me when you're going to retire. I tell them uh, I have a different answer every day for that. You know, when my wife lets me, when I have enough toys, you know, whatever. When my 401k is big enough, you know. And uh, I've been sober since May 25th, 2009. 2009 it was an interesting year at one time I considered it the worst year of my life but then upon looking back it ended up being uh the best year of my life or one of the best years of my life anyway it really uh there's a real turning point in my life everything changed after that so uh I'm also uh an elected official I've been involved with local government in Downingtown here for uh about eight years now. I was at first a uh, federal council member, and then right at the dawn of the pandemic last year on uh, May fifth, I became uh, the mayor of Downingtown. That's that's cool. And uh, 
it's and I think I even made this joke to you and uh, we'll, we'll get back more to the to the run specifically. But, you know, everybody has a friend um, that when they're out <laughs> in public that they see on social media and this and that and they are the mayor. I'm just using going to use an example. If you've heard episode two of this podcast, a good friend of mine, Evan, a good personal friend of mine, um, his his gym is right in the heart of Bethlehem. And a lot of people call him the mayor. Um, a lot of people joke around and I've, I've heard many people reference that. But here. Um, I'm, I'm out on a run with Phil one morning and a young lady passes um, and says something, says hi. And I say, oh, you're a local celebrity. And he goes, uh, he, he makes a comment and very humbly pretty much just eventually gets out the fact that he's the mayor. And I'm just pretty much like, holy shit, that wasn't like a little <laughs> joke or like you're just not the, the fun guy who is out and like just well known. So we'll get back more into that run. But yeah, I, I, I thought it was like a joke. Um, but no, he really is the mayor. It's really cool. Um, for any of our listeners who just want to put like a, a location to mind, because I'm I'm sure if, if anybody's in California, they like Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Where the f is that? Uh, what where where in Pennsylvania is that? Where like I know where it is, but where how would you describe it for someone who's never been out here? Sure, Downingtown is equal distant between Philadelphia and Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We're right in the middle, uh, Route 30. Uh, connects us all and it's 32 miles each way um, two miles from the beach or two hours from the beach I mean <laughs> not two miles I wish maybe <laughs> with maybe with global warming <laughs> someday but uh, not today um, Danny Town's claim to fame we are, we're a small borough with a population of about 9,000 and if you've ever seen the 1959 uh, Steve McQueen movie The Blob uh, that movie was set and partially filmed in Downingtown. So uh, hooray for that. And there's another show coming up uh, starting on HBO tomorrow night with uh, Kate Winslet. And it's called The uh, the Mayor of Easton. I, I, I'm sure I'm getting that wrong, but I won't get it wrong on my DVR. But that actually was partially filmed in Downingtown, too. So we're looking forward to seeing that. Nice. Awesome. Um, and then again, by the time you're hearing this episode, that's already out there. So if you, uh, if you click on it, you check an episode and you see any, any outside territory, just know that uh, Phil might be hanging out somewhere. Um, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump in at this point. Um, Phil, why don't you tell us about uh, your, your childhood growing up, all that normal stuff, go ahead and talk about pretty much everything up until your first experience with a drink or a drug. Sure. Um, I grew up in a very normal household. I'm the oldest of three. Um, my parents were very young when I was born. I think that you and I have discussed that uh, my dad was 19 when I was born and my mom was 17 when I was born. And that's pretty close to your parents' age when you were born as well. Um, they are not alcoholics they were the kind you know it's typical of families in the 60s they had that cabinet with fully stocked with you know whiskey and vodka and all that good stuff and uh, the only difference was in their cabinet from my future cabinet was theirs usually had like an inch of dust on it you know because it was just brought out literally for one company came and, and whatever my mom's the type of person who would buy a case of Coors Light and uh, it would last her a year. My dad, I've never seen pick up a drink or a drug or anything like that. 
and I had I had a great childhood. Um, just it was it was it was great. And and then I guess uh, probably when I was about 16, 17 years old, uh, I graduated high school in 1979. Uh, and we used to call ourselves the dazed and confused class. We took pride in, in how much we partied and how hard we partied. And, 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 and we thought we partied harder than the, the, those who came before us or any that would come after us. And, and so I was, any problem I may have had in my life at that time at age 17 was pretty much camouflaged because from my perspective, I was just doing what everybody else was doing. It was just completely normal, you know, and, and there were signs along the way that, you know, maybe there was something different going on with me, you know, that signs that were, you know, willfully ignored uh as as time went by a lot of my friends you know i'd call them up on a tuesday night hey let's let's get hammered and uh ah oh, no man uh i gotta hang out with the wife you know or i got work tomorrow you know normal responsible responses you know to, to somebody who just wants to uh live the high life seven days a week you know and <laughs> so you know as, as it just, I got married myself at a, at a young age of 22, relatively young, and uh, just party at party, party. I, I gotta <laughs> say, uh, it, it was, it was, it was a very selfish uh, time in my life. I, I wanted to, uh, I, I always wanted to be party every day and that came first before anything else, you know, and uh, when I talk about the uh, signs that, you know, maybe uh, something was different, uh, I think you know, without getting into all the war stories, because they're all pretty much the same, but I think age 19, I was coming home one night from a friend's house after uh, drinking uh, Jack Daniels, among other things, and I was in a Volkswagen Beetle. And back then, they didn't even have seatbelts in it. Uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving wasn't a thing yet. So the public attitudes on drinking and driving were, well, you know, just uh, sometimes sometimes the police would, you know, follow you home and, and make sure you got home safe. But, you know, nowadays, <laughs> it's a totally different story. But in that Volkswagen Beetle, I was coming down... Uh, uh, us 322 which is i think speed limit of 50 and i was doing probably about 70 or 80 and i came and i was loving the way that my car was hugging the road you know my volkswagen beetle and i spun around on the curb and did a 180 into a telephone pole and severed that pole in two and walked away without even you know uh, the slightest, you know, sore neck or anything like that. How no seatbelt. How does a beetle get into a car accident and the driver not get hurt? Those are like the smallest cars in the world. I, I did a 180 and basically um, backed into the uh, pole at a high rate of speed. And the, the rear of the vehicle where the engine was uh, took all the the brunt of it. And my, I broke my seat, you know, backwards. You know, if you can imagine driving backwards into something. So that took the damage and spared me, you know, so, and, and then 
uh, two Pennsylvania state troopers came out to investigate the accident. And the one looked at me and said, well, I think you've uh, paid enough. You know, and the other guy looked at him like, you know, obviously the junior officer said, are you kidding me? This guy's drunk. And the guy goes, yeah, but he's lost his car. He's, you know, his insurance is going to go up. Yada, yada. He... So, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to believe today, you know, this was like 1980, 81 or something like that, that, you know, anybody that could happen to anybody. I sometimes wonder if perhaps I had got pulled into the system and, you know, been marked with the DUI at that point, uh, would that have had an effect on my life? But I didn't and it didn't. And I, I didn't, I didn't slow down for a bit. It didn't even occur to me that there might be a problem there. I, I, I'm sure I just, you know, had that car hauled off to the junkyard and went about finding another vehicle. And, and before you know it, it was business as usual, you know? So that's wild. And I, I got to say, that's one of those things that I regularly think about as well, because um, you're pointing out that uh, the officer you know, one officer is pretty much saying that you've had enough to deal with for the night. The other officer is like, hey, are you kidding me? And I think about that, like, I wonder what's going through an officer's mind, you know, in that situation. Because even today, um, you know, it's a lot less likely to get away with a DUI. Um, however, there are people that still officers cut breaks and this and that if there's no car accidents and people aren't hurt. Um, and it's and, and it definitely doesn't happen as often, but it still happens. And then I wonder, too, if that's, you know, if if that runs through um, certain police officers minds, because you have some people who and I think a lot of people would agree with this. There are some people who aren't alcoholics. They're not addicts. They, you know, maybe they just made that one mistake driving that night. It might literally be the only night they ever drank and drove and somehow they got pulled over. Um, cop might give them a ticket, might give them a DUI. And depending on their career and whatnot, it might it might impact their life for the worst and they might not be able to recover from it the same. And then you have some people who, if, if that situation, like the cop lets him go, if the cop didn't let him go and maybe caught him in the system, it might've changed their life for the better because it might've woken them up earlier. So I, I, I think that that's like a, a, something that, you know, it's, it's, it's not right or wrong. Um, and, and I definitely hope that a lot of people understand the what I'm trying to say with that. Um, it's, it's just weird because we don't know how people are going to respond. We don't know how people are going to react. And, and again, it's, it's funny too, because guys like you and I have probably drank and drove, or at least I, I don't want to speak for you. I know I've drank and drove so, so, so many times. Oh, um, and I've only gotten one DUI. I've only gotten one DUI. Um, and so all that means is that I've only gotten caught once. That doesn't mean I only drank and drove once. It just means I only, I only got caught once. Um, but I think that's the story for a lot of people. And I guarantee there's at least one person out there who has a DUI and can count on one hand how many times they got behind the wheel of a vehicle under the influence. And it's there. They don't have the same odds. Um, but, but you know, that's, that's life. We all make our decisions. And at the end of the day, we also have to live with our decisions, which again, people like you and I know, know better than anyone when we have to start working our programs. Well, but, among the things I'm grateful for a lot of things today. And I think gratitude is a big part of my life. And high on the things that I am grateful for is that during my career of drinking, there was a lot of drinking and driving. And um, I'm just so grateful that I never hurt anybody or, or even worse, you know, killed anybody because, it's, you know, people's lives can change in just an instant, you know? So um, sure. I, these days, there's no reason to get behind the wheel. 
if uh, you're drinking and, you know, with Uber and easy ride share and all that. So. Absolutely. And that's, I was going to get into that and I'm so glad you pointed it out too. I mean, we are in an age right now where literally all you have to do is pick up your phone and you can have a responsible driver wherever you are in just a few minutes to get you home. And I can also tell you, I don't care if it's two or three in the morning. I don't care if it's a holiday. I don't care if it's a snowstorm. I promise you, I will bet my life that whatever those surcharges, double fees, whatever they're hitting you with, no matter what time you hit it, I promise you it's cheaper than the, the, the lowest tier DUI you will get. I 100% <laughs> promise that there's not a county or a state or an Uber driver in the world that is going to argue that statement with me. Um, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> uh, and, and if it really comes down to it, if you're anywhere near Downingtown, Phil drives for a living, he might even be able to come help you. <laughs> yeah, just, just don't expect it to be a UPS truck. So no rides. Uh, so so how, do, how does that roll for you at that point then? So how, how long do those habits go on? Kind of uh, tell us, you know, how long does that go where it's just like, Hey, I'm, I'm 19, I'm 20, I'm 21. I'm just drinking. I'm just having fun. I don't have a problem. This and that just like, how long are you kind of treating that as like normalcy? Well, I would say that it went on way too long as a matter of fact. And I, looking back, I guess I would classify myself as a highly functioning alcoholic. Um, I got married at 22. My first son was born um, when I was 27 and another son, not too long after that. I had three sons eventually drank through their young lives, um, was married obviously the first time and um, divorce just doesn't happen in my family. So I, I, I term it kind of like a hostage situation, you know, I, I, I stopped really taking my show on the road and I just did 99% of my drinking at home. That's why I never got a DUI because um, uh, another thing about Downingtown is it's home to one of the uh, first really hugely successful uh, microbrewery operations in Victory uh, Brewing, which really made a name for itself. And, and as a corporate, um, uh, citizen of Downingtown, I'm very proud of them, even though I no longer um, partake in their products. <laughs> but uh, that brewery is, I, I, I jokingly say I helped build them. It's two tenths of a mile away from my house, you know, so. Absolutely. And and I just want to point out, and, and again, <clears throat> we're definitely not here to, uh, to glorify drinking or beer by any means. However, I just want to um, just kind of piggyback what Phil is saying. He is not just kind of uh, saying that because that's his hometown and and that was his favorite brewery. Um, there was actually, I remember um, watching a show back when I was actively drinking because I was very involved in uh, craft beer and actually running a craft beer program for a bar that I managed. And I remember watching a show called Brew Dogs and there was these two international guys and they would literally go to breweries all over the world um, trying trying their beer. And they actually went to victory and uh, the gentleman actually said that he was going to call that one of the top 10 breweries he had ever been to. And this is a guy who was traveling all over the world. Um, so 
Again, just like you said, I can't speak for their products anymore because I haven't had anything that Victory has made in, um, I mean, I probably had their last product even a while before I stopped drinking. So I probably haven't had any of their stuff in over three years. However, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll get on from that topic, but he definitely wasn't exaggerating there. Um, so, so yeah, go ahead, keep going. So, you know, I had uh, a family here, uh, thought I was a, uh, a good dad. In a lot of ways I was, um, but then a lot of ways I fell uh, woefully short. Um, I thought because I never, one of my rules was I'll never tell one of my kids, hey, go get dad a beer. So I thought, okay, that makes me cool, you know, that I'm not doing that, you know. <laughs> Did you teach but, the dog how to do it, though? Nah, we didn't have a dog, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I think we had a cat for a little bit, but they just, like, the cat just looked at me and said, get your own damn beer. So, uh, but I think the fact that, like, if in my refrigerator at the time, the whole top shelf, I had, you know, it was really, looking back, it's just strange behavior. It was just top. You know, all the beer bottles, different flavors and whatever lined up labels facing forward, you know, forget the fact that other people in the house who aren't beer drinkers use the same fridge, you know, so it's, it, it was bizarre, you know, but um, never thought my wife would leave me because, you know, in my family, divorces just don't happen. Well, she had other thoughts. She was, she was, uh, she was tired of it and eventually, uh, she's out of here, you know? So funny thing was, so she moved out of state and left the, uh, the alcoholic father with the three sons living under his roof, you know? So, uh, but I still, you know, I, I kept it kind of cool as, as best as I could, which wasn't perfect, you know, while I had the kids and got them up and made sure they got off to school and, and dealt with things. But then when they were with their mother, then it was like, you know, party time, you know, all bets are off. And I guess eventually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm skipping forward a lot. Um, I was not happy. I, after I got um, divorced, I got in a, another relationship that lasted about five years and that ended. And I went into a state of depression and I went to a counselor and demanded that I be given some kind of antidepressant drug. And the counselor very, you know, correctly said, that's fine. That may be what you need, but these drugs do not interact well with alcohol. So stop drinking for two months and then come back to me and we'll reevaluate you, you know, so. And you're uh, old at this point? Oh gosh. Um, 37. I mean, I'm sorry, 47. I feel like I'm 37. So that's why, <laughs> <clears throat> but I was 47, which I thought, you know, first off at that time, the idea of never having another drink again, scared the crap out of me, you know, and it's funny how your fears flip because, you know, after you've got some time, then you your fear is like, you know, you have a fear of ever drinking again, which is actually a healthy thing to have, you know, and hundred percent, we have drunk dreams, you know, which a lot of us talk about and stuff. And it's always a relief to me that when I wake up after having one of them, that whew, it was only a dream I did not pick up last night, you know? So, but I, I, I started, I had tried going in 
AA a couple times, half-heartedly. I went into a meeting, I guess around uh, 1999, somewhere around there, and walked into the meeting late. The room was kind of dark. It was full of drunks and dregs and people that were at the time I considered beneath me. Um, Hold on one second there, Phil. There's something, something audio. Is your phone next to the laptop? It's not too far away. All right, there we go. That's, that's working a little better now. Okay. So I just looked around the room and I was very uh, incorrectly judgmental of the people in there who were trying to stay sober and got in late, didn't really engage, spoke to no one, didn't engage at all and left early and made a decision that AA wasn't for me um, and never went back again until 2009, in May of 2009. And then uh, this counselor that I, that I was seeing who I wanted to uh, prescribe me a wonder pill to make my life all better, um, kind of almost in a way did that, but not the way that I expected. Um, she recommended a, uh, a, what they called a clubhouse where they had many different AA meetings and NA meetings and other things. And I went in there on Memorial Day weekend of 2009 on Saturday, and it was kind of cool. Uh, my home group is called the Hair of the Dog, and it meets 365 days a year at seven o'clock in the morning and has for like over 20 years now. And I, I kind of related to things I was hearing in there. And then later that day, I went to a barbecue cookout and had a few beers, you know, and, and then Sunday I did exactly the same thing. And, um, went to my parents' house actually for a thing. And I told him, Hey, I went to a meeting. And then he looks at my beer and my dad and says, and yet here you are, you know, I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, practice, not perfection, you know, but so then, then, the next day I went to victory and it was a beautiful day out. So most people weren't stuck inside any kind of bar. They were outside doing things or whatever. And I still remember the barmaid came down and said, Hey, Bill, how you doing? And what have you been doing this weekend? And I said, ah, oh, not much. Just going to a few AA meetings and <laughs> <laughs> telling the bartender. She, I could have told her I had Ebola and she couldn't have gotten away from me any faster, you know? And I still remember that last beer. I, I kind of looked at it and I put my coaster on top of it. And I said, well, I think this is it. Let's, let's give this a try. So that was my last beer. And I did my 90 and 90 and that turned into pretty much going to a meeting every day for a few years. And I know I've seen a lot of things on social media about people who are, who are sober or trying to get sober or thinking about getting sober and they're reluctant to uh, go to AA meetings. And I get that. I would say if you've had an experience in an AA meeting that left you cold, go to another meeting, try another one. Um, and then as you and I have discussed, there are different ways to this different paths to happiness and sobriety. For me, I can't stress AA enough, but I'm not going to tell other people 
how to run their program or what to do. But I will say one ingredient of AA is essential. And that is people who share an affliction, helping others who share the same affliction, whether it's drinking, doing drugs, smoking cigarettes, eating, whatever. It, you, you can't do it alone. It takes other people to help you with it. I agree a hundred percent. Um, I literally don't think I've had one episode where I don't say this. Um, and, and, and again, I, I'm not here. I'm not here to tell you that if you have a problem to go to a meeting or that that's the only thing that's going to work for you. Um, because I'm not qualified to say that. Um, I, I, I'm not educated in that field. Um, I only know what works for me. Um, I also know that in my past, in, in, in my journey, I've also had some issues with AA personally. Um, I build up my resentments. I've had things that have kept me out of the rooms for a long time. Um, some things my fault, some things not my fault. Um, the one thing that regardless whether it was my fault or not my fault in certain situations or regardless of how I felt, the one thing that is for sure is that I still needed something. Um, I still needed people to talk to. I still needed to be around people. Um, and again, a big, big, big reason why this Facebook group started in the first place, it was almost kind of like me being selfish in the beginning and just wanting to create people to kind of come to me um, to talk to. Um, and then it's just turned into so much more since then. But I still remember that day. It was like, um, it, it was a very similar situation. I had a resentment towards meetings on something that happened and I'm sitting there injured and I couldn't do the one thing I love to do the most, which was run. And I felt like I have two choices. I can talk to people or I can drink. Um, and, and I definitely didn't want to do the second one. And, and so here we are now, which I'm so, I'm so thankful for. And it's crazy too. Cause, um, I, I think that we are pretty much getting into the point where I, I want to talk about that really, really, really special run that you and I had. But, um, one thing I want to preface this with as well. Um, so you've pointed out that a lot of our story is the same. Um, parents, parents, ages. Um, it's, it's even funny too, because our sobriety birthdays, although there's a, a nine year difference, um, the birthdays themselves are only, uh, what do you say the 15th, right? Or the 25th, uh, 25th. Yeah. So six, six days. Um, and so it's interesting too, because a lot of the stories are the same. It, it sounds like when you were at victory that night, it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you left, you probably, based off the story, it doesn't even sound like you were drunk that night. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Like, is it, it was, it would, would it you even say, out. I, I even say, I even say, I tell people too, that the last night that I drank, I swear that would have been the one night that I would have got pulled over and not gotten a DUI. Um, I truly believe mm -hmm. that. Um, and, and so with that being said, it's crazy because the more and more I hear your story, the more and more I realize all of our similarities again with, with uh, the parents having having three kids, um, choosing partying over being a family man, um, you know, squandering relationships, and then uh, trying to rebuild, and then having a very uh, come come to come to terms moment in a, on a May evening, and you know, putting that coaster on top of the beer and just and deciding that this is enough. Um, so it's crazy how many similarities our story have, and. Um, if, if I can, I can say too, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that one of the only differences that our story has is that um, by, by, by 25 years from now, when I, when I catch you in age a little bit, the only difference is I hope that uh, I have 
30 plus years in, instead of 12. That's that's one of the only differences I hope that we have in our story. But um, I also have to remember that I have to keep focusing one day at a time because I can't focus on on year 30 when I'm not even in year three yet. Yeah, my sponsor is in his 90s and and he's a, he's he goes to the gym. He works out. He still drives. He's a safe driver. Uh, he's he's re- he's as sharp as a whip. And sorry, whatever that get- sound is, is coming back again. I'll turn my phone completely off. How's that? Because I don't really need it. So. Sorry about that, guys. Phone's off. If it comes back, let me know. I'll uh, turn something else off. (laughs) Maybe it's my headphones. I don't know. but my sponsor didn't get sober until he was in his fifties. And I used to go in the meetings and, and, and when I got, uh, that I got sober in my late forties and I thought, wow, man, these guys that are in their twenties, sometimes even teenagers who got, how does a 19 year old have like three years sobriety? What happened before up until their 16th birthday that they said, Oh, this is, you know, God bless them. But on the other hand, my sponsor's got over 40 years sobriety now, and he didn't start it until he's he was in his 50s. So I always say that, you know what, as long as you're breathing, it's not too late. It's not too late to make things better. And and but on conversely, it's also not too late to screw up if you don't um, maintain it and keep things uh, do what you're supposed to be doing and keep things right. Absolutely, for sure. So now I, and then again, I, I've said this a million times. Um, and even in the meet the gang podcast episode, uh, that we recorded last night, that if you're listening to these episodes and order people, um, you already heard that episode. And if you haven't heard that episode, definitely go back and check it out. Cause it was so much fun last night. Um, and Phil had a chance to pop in with us. Uh, I think he was there wire to wire with us. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. But one thing we talked about last night is Phil and I had a chance to meet each other uh, last weekend or the weekend before. Maybe I'm moving a little. No, it was, it was actually the beginning of this week. Sunday. Okay, cool. Yeah, te- yeah, actually, yeah, technically six days ago. So um, to, to kind of uh, paint a picture for you and to, and to give you the scenario here. So um, in the Facebook group, I kind of I, I I wanted to start meeting more and more people from the group and I had a chance to meet two people physically that I had never never knew that they were I didn't know anything about them I didn't know their names I didn't know where they I didn't know I knew I didn't even know these people existed uh before the ODAP page and since then I've had a chance to meet two people one when we did our virtual ODAT OMAT um a nice young lady in one of our neighboring towns uh came out to run her race on the same course I did and then when I ran my most recent marathon, I had a chance to meet another member of the community who lived on the other, on the other side of Pennsylvania. And we pretty much each drove a couple hours. Um, and it was kind of the middle point. Now that one was a coincidence. We both happened to be signed up for the same marathon. Um, the only thing is I just moved the day to be able to run with him. Um, but we were both already signed up and that was just coincidental. So that kind of just kept me going in the mode of like, I want to meet more and more people in the group, anybody who lives within a certain distance, let's try and team up, let's try and do this, let's go for a run, and whatever the case may be. So um, 
along with that, we also had some ODAT shirts and whatnot. And I kind of used that as an excuse, like, hey, when it when it comes to this guy, like I, I see he's in uh, I see he's in Downingtown, um, which I think I've even told you at the time. I thought that was Doylestown. <laughs> I thought you were a lot closer to me. Guys, Doylestown is 45 minutes from my door. Downingtown is an hour and a half. Um, wrong D town. Um, so but anyway, I um, I figured, hey, why mail this to this guy? It's, it's just an excuse to meet him and hang out. So we schedule a time and we're like, hey, two weeks from now, um, this is me talking to him. Two weeks from now, my wife has off. If you want, I'll come out to you. We'll hit one of your one of your trails somewhere I've never been and uh, we'll go for a run and, and we can meet each other. Now, to go a step further, uh, the timing on this couldn't have been any better. Uh, if you are a member of the ODAT page, you saw that the night before I had a, a, a scary, uncomfortable moment. Um, I've been slipping away from meetings a little bit on my own, um, focusing on a lot of other things in which, you know, I hadn't picked up a drink. I hadn't wanted to drink. The thoughts weren't there. None of that was there. I felt like I was in a, in one of the best places I could ever be. However, I had an incident at work where working in the restaurant industry pretty much to kind of summarize it, um, alcohol spilled on my hand. I didn't properly clean my hands and accidentally at one point or another, um, my terrible nail biting habit turned into me just kind of getting like a little explosion of gin in my mouth. So I, I do what I'm supposed to do. Um, I talk to people, um, of course, you know, and, and whatnot, but for whatever reason, maybe it was because I was at work. Maybe it was because we were busy. It just, it made me feel uncomfortable. And I didn't feel well, you know, I got sick to my stomach and whatnot, which is looking back, these are all great things because it shows me how much I care for my sobriety, how much my body was rejecting the alcohol, treating it as poison. It shows me how much my sobriety means to me. However, again, the timing of this couldn't have been any better. I posted on the Facebook page and a lot of people reached out. I can only imagine that Phil was probably sleeping at that time because he didn't comment. I didn't see anything. Um, and so I actually remember thinking that morning, I said, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be cool to go ahead and meet this guy. But I said, I'm not going to be Debbie Downer. I said, I'm not even going to bring this shit up. Um, we're just going to run. We're just going to have some fun. I don't know if you remember this, Phil. We hadn't even turned on our watches yet. We hadn't even started that jog moment. We were still in that first like one minute of walking before we actually started running. And you pop out and say, hey, so I saw your post last night. How is everything? So I want you guys to know we started that run for the next 67 plus minutes that we ran there was not 10 seconds and phil correct me if i'm <laughs> wrong there was not 10 seconds of dead air where we were not talking sobriety and recovery uh, i think between the two of us uh makes <laughs> we both had the gift you know absolutely and and <laughs> and and i think i even told you i said at the end of that run i said wow dude this was a speaker meeting on the run um, Because I remember you would say something and I would throw a question. You would say something, I would interrupt and I would throw a question. And I remember saying, hey, you know, if, if I'm asking too many questions, I know you've known me for about like 10 minutes ever at this point. If I'm asking too many questions, if I'm being too personal, just tell me to shut up or tell me, you know, whatever. Like I, my intention is to not make you comfortable. And you pretty much responded, no, I'm an open book. I'll talk about whatever. And I said, awesome. And I said, with that being said, this really is like a speaker meeting that I'm allowed to interrupt and cross talk. And I can ask questions as we go. And it was, it was so cool because I got to hear your story. I got to learn more about you. I got to learn what works for you. And then what do you know, 67 minutes go by where I'm not thinking about a drink. I'm not thinking about what happened last night. I'm feeling a lot better. 
everything is good. And at the end of that run, um, was just unbelievable. I felt like I was right back to where I was Saturday afternoon before I went to work. And it, it just helped me so, so much. And, and the reason I stress this so much is because what this was, was this was two alcoholics talking to each other. Now this piggybacks on what I was saying that maybe meetings don't work for everybody. Um, but the one thing I know that has to work for everybody is that we can't do this alone. Um, I'm still yet to meet that person who lives alone, doesn't talk to anybody, nobody knows they're sober, and they're able to make up their own program and and stay sober without talking to anybody, without, you know, talking about feelings and this and that. I'm still yet to meet that person. If you exist, please reach out. I would love to interview you and hear how you do it. Maybe it can help save someone else. Um, but until that happens, I'm still yet to see that that person exists. And again, if you do, reach out. However, um, it, it was just so, it was, it was unbelievable to be able to have that chance to, to be able to pick your brain of someone who is, and, and I don't want to call you old here, but someone who is almost twice my age has seen it all, you know, been through it all. I mean, you drank longer than I was alive if we're just putting cards on the table. Um, so it is just, it was just so unbelievable to be able to hear your experience, strength and hope while we were out there. And I think if you remember, I actually told you, I said, shit, I wish I had a GoPro because this was unintentionally like this would have been a podcast <laughs> episode that day unintentionally um, and would have probably been, you know, it, it would have just been perfect. Uh, no need to edit material. And it would have just been like it would have just been absolutely just like click and save. And that that would have spoke for itself that it was it was that good the way we were doing it. Um, and, and a lot of heavy breathing on my part. Though. <laughs> hey, hey, you're a beast, brother. You you are a beast. You kept up. And and I, and again, I wanted so, you know, I've given you a lot of credit for what you did for me that day. Um, but I also want to give you credit for some things that you worked on for yourself that day. So <laughs> it was also supposed to it was supposed to rain pretty hard that day. And I remember telling you, like, you know, the rain doesn't bother me. But if you're uncomfortable with it, um, we can run indoors. We can meet at a, we can split the difference and go to a planet fitness. Um, you know, we can just run on a treadmill. The only thing that I kind of like, that was like non-negotiable to me that day is that I just wanted to meet you and I wanted to run with you. And I, I don't care if it ended up being breakfast. I don't care. Like I said, it's just, I wanted to get to meet someone from the group. And then you responded with, well, I I'm training for a marathon. You know, I, I don't, I, I, I don't run in the rain or, or I forget exactly how you said it. But pretty much like you, you don't know what the weather's going to be on the marathon. So you got to get out there and get used to it anyway. So we did. You got out there. It didn't rain hard, but it rained just enough where, you know, you kind of got to wet your beak literally and metaphorically and kind of kind of got to step in. We stepped in a few puddles. I don't know if you did the same thing, but oh, I accidentally yeah. stepped in a deep puddle before we even started running. So the <laughs> entire time I had a I had a little swamp in my sock because um, I, I made a mistake also not wearing the right socks for running in the rain. Um so any, anyway, but it was, it was just cool. You know, we both got to do some things and get out of our comfort zone a little bit and talk about some things. And it was, that was a special moment. And it's something that I don't think I've went one day since without talking about how much that run meant to me. So, um, you know, if, if I haven't stressed it enough, Phil, I want you to know, brother, that was, that was so, so huge for me. And it really, really helped oh. me a lot. And it got me right back on track of where I needed to be. Oh, no doubt. Me too. I, that's the first time I ever, um, ran with a fellow alcoholic. So, you know, that, that, that was huge. And about, you know, if, and it's about accountability too. We discussed that a little bit last night and uh, I, 
I work outside 50, 60 hours a week, and I am loath to go outside in anything less than perfect weather if I don't have to when I'm not working. So last Sunday, I probably, if, if I wasn't meeting you, I would have just probably, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a treadmill, so I probably just would have ran indoors, you know, so, so it's good. I have when when that marathon comes it's going to be in november and god knows what the weather's going to be like it could be cold and rainy and i need to be ready for that so absolutely besides well, besides the running training other things well you got me here brother and, and you know you know i'm a run coach so you know i like to think i know what i'm doing now plus i have a coach myself so um not only do not only do i get obsessed with it and i do all the research on myself on training plans but i have someone who's kicking my ass into a training plan so anything you need, brother, we we gonna help that out. We can I'll get out and get some more runs with you, and we gonna kick that marathon's ass together because uh, uh, there's there's nothing that we do alone. You might you might physically be running that marathon alone, um, because you know you might be the only one signed up for it in the fellowship, um, but you are definitely not running it alone in spirit. And any of your training runs that you need help with leading up, you know, uh, you have my number, and and it's it's that's all that takes, and. So yes. Well, if there's anybody listening to this podcast, it's the uh, Coastal Delaware uh, Marathon weekend in Delaware. It's uh, it's somewhere around Rehoboth, Lewis. Oh, actually, hold on, hold on. Maybe I will be running with you if I'm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't know how much research you've done on that uh, marathon. Um, when I was because obviously it's no surprise I'm trying to qualify for Boston. Um, and when I was it researching, is a Boston qualifier. yes, when I was researching courses, um, pre pandemic, a couple of years, uh, a, a year and a half ago, I was looking at like the, the best courses to qualify Boston, you know, the flattest or maybe slightly downhill and whatnot. And I remember looking at a bunch of courses and I know that there was one specific race in Delaware. Well, there's a few Boston qualifiers in Delaware, but there was one specifically in which it's a very, very, very flat course. And they actually, it's a pancake. Yeah, they emphasize so much that it's a it's a high percentage uh, Boston qualifier. So when we get off here, I'm going to look into that. If that's that one, I'm supposed to be running in like August or September, I think. So I'm going to look into it. Maybe we'll make that one in November. Maybe that'll be the last one before I attempt the BQ in March. Um, and maybe we will hmm. get a chance to run that one together. But we'll wow, definitely look into go. that some more. Um, so let's go ahead and and jump forward a little bit. Obviously, we know that running is your fitness of choice. Um, were you a runner before you quit drinking? Um, I know you oh, said you've been no. running. I know I know you said last night um, that you've been running for about four or five years, but I don't know if that was something like you did it in high school or after school and then you just got oh, back into God. it. Or So what? how did you find running? Hated running. Hated it back in the day in gym class when they would make us run oh my god it was torture and uh, but then as years went by when i turned 50 about nine years ago uh for some reason a friend of mine did posted a picture on social media of him running a tough mutter and i decided i wanted to do an obstacle run i'm thinking like all those movies like uh you know, Private Benjamin and all, and they have the boot camp scenes, you know, and I said, that looks like fun running through tires and barbed wire and getting down in the mud. So I signed up for a Spartan sprint and I like to do things early in the day. That goes back to my uh, 
my my drinking ethic if i had something to do i needed to do it early in the day because the second half of the day was going to be for drinking so i signed up for this spartan sprint it was at blue mountain pennsylvania and i was in the hurricane heat at six o'clock in the morning and I, I was teamed up with five other people i'm 50 years old the next youngest person i think was like 32 33 and it was it was it was an experience it was brutal uh we had to move a six foot tall tire up a mountain you know and i finished that i was so sore and i had black and blue on my shoulders and these young i don't know what to call them but they're like yeah hey, i think i'm gonna do this again tonight you know i'm like oh shut up man i'm like i just went home and and nursed my wounds but i did it and I was glad about it. Also, because of my uh, social uh, engagement, um, I was before I got on local government, I was on the uh, Main Street Association here in Downingtown. And we used to put on a, uh, a 5K every October. Uh, it was a zombie theme. It was called Dash of the Living Dead. And people would dress up like zombies and, and run a 5K. And uh, one year I decided, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to help organize it and participate in it. And I thought, well, I've been a UPS guy for a long time. And, you know, we often run when we're running up to somebody's front door and back. But anyway, I did this. I, was, uh, I ran about a quarter of a mile and turned around. I said, screw this. I can't do this. I was shocked. I was, it was a real eye opener, you know, and I said, this is, you got to change this. So I, I downloaded an app you know, and uh, I started training every day. And, and then a month later in November, I ran the turkey trot and I did the 3.1 miles without walking. 3.11, don't sell yourself short. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I, it just kind of evolved from that. And, and then later on the next year, I was doing a five miler uh, trail run uh, sponsored by Victory Brew Pub, uh, coincidentally. <laughs> and I ran into a friend of mine and uh, we ran together and she became my running buddy. And one day she said, hey, how about uh, the Rocky run? And for those who don't know, it's a Rocky themed run in Philadelphia where uh, you could run a choice of uh, a 5K or a 10 mile, or you could do the Rocky challenge and do them both. And I said, what do you want to do? Which one? And Cause I'm thinking the five K is good enough for me. And she's like, let's do all of it. I'm like, are you out of your freaking mind? And I, I remember sitting there, you know, and we're having this conversation via text message. And I'm like, she's freaking crazy. And then I'm like, screw it. Why not? I'll just pay my fee and uh, get my swag, show up, do my best. And if I finish, I finish. If I don't, who cares, you know? And well, lo and behold, I finished and I've done yeah, that, 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 you know, I know everybody listening to this knows what a good feeling that is, you know, okay, to do something that you did not think you could do and, and to actually finish it, you know, and, and that's me, I, I kind of nicknamed myself the sloth. I, I am at my age and getting into the game later. I mean, there's so many people even older than me that are so much faster than me, but I don't compare myself to them. I compare myself to myself and I'm constantly trying to to do better than my younger self, you know? So I've done a lot of uh, half marathons and, and this marathon later this year is gonna be my second marathon. I ran 
the uh, Marine Corps Marathon in uh, Washington, D.C. in 2017. And that was amazing. I mean, just. And I wasn't I knew I was going to be tired, but I wasn't prepared for how much it actually hurt, you know, and I mean, I was in pain for for a couple of days. I, I don't want to tell you, but it was it was. I, I wasn't looking for, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was over six hours, you know? Hey, 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 but, I was going to, I was going to say, don't, don't be shy. You, you finished. They didn't kick you off the course, right? That's all I was looking for. I, I, got I the barely got, finished. I was, a, I was a step ahead of the sweepers, you know? And it's funny though, because I stayed in the hotel there and it hurt to walk and, and whatever. But for some reason I could get into a swimming pool at the hotel and swim around, do the breaststroke underwater and all that. And there was zero pain whatsoever. I'm not really sure what that's all about, but, you know, swimming therapy, you know, so, so anyway, yeah, I got, I'm fortunate enough that, um, like I said, I have an aversion to running in inclement weather. And I always kind of, over the past few years, I've had this cycle that I keep repeating where I get in really decent shape running wise by October, November. And I swear I'm going to run through the winter, but UPS gets heavy as hell in December, as as y'all know, and the daylight hours are short and it gets cold and nasty out and I never do. And then I almost like every April, I got to start over again, you know, so um, I'm, I'm blessed enough that um, my wife and I got a treadmill in October. So I'm going to give it my best shot, you know, for sure. Not- Absolutely. And, um, and, and if you remember too, when we, uh, when we ran last weekend, I remember you actually told me the, your finish time of that marathon. So I already knew the answer. And the reason I pointed it out and I wanted you to say it, it wasn't to, um, you know, try and make you say, you know, uh, that time again and, and whatnot. Um, from that point, the point was to, to show our listeners that this is a man who, who went out there, he still beat the sweepers. And I'll tell you right now, I don't give a shit if you beat the finish line and you pass it and you beat the sweepers by 10 seconds, by one second, you're still a way better ass than the guy who woke up that morning and said, fuck this. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too rainy. It's too windy. And didn't get out of bed. You still beat the person. Absolutely. Who, you beat the person who at mile 13 couldn't deal with the cramps and couldn't deal with this and that. Um, because they came out too far. Cause let me just tell you guys, if, uh, if someone was attempting to qualify for Boston that day and someone came flying out the gate, running a six forty five pace and they held that for 25 miles. And then they felt that they were off target and they got off the course. Um, I, I don't care if they ran, if they ran that first 25 miles in two hours and 45 minutes, I'm going to take Phil's six hour finish time over that person. Um, because those two key words are finish time. You made it across the line, you got the shit done and you earned it. So it's, it gives you a foundation. It gives you somewhere to build, you know, uh, you know what you want to beat for your next goal. Um, and again, I think that this is most important for our listeners because we have people listening to this, that, you know, they're, they, they're not the fastest person. Um, they might think that they're the slowest person, but get out there because, um, dead fucking last. Uh, there, there's a bunch of terminologies and acronyms in racing. There's D and DFL and DNF are two of them. And I'll tell you right now, I'll take DFL dead fucking last over DNF did not finish. 
um, any day. And, and the only thing worse than either of those are DNS, which is did not start. Um, so I'll, I'll take, I'll take that one any day. Um, so definitely congratulations. Be proud of it. Don't be ashamed. Embrace it. And the next one, you're just going to kick the shit out of it. No matter what it is. Absolutely. I compare myself to myself. And when I run in November, I want to really just train the smartest way I can, you know, and, and be ready for it and see actually what I can do. And, and as far as doing nothing, I was out running last year and there's a pretty steep hill near my house and it was a hot day and I'm running and I see up ahead, this person this uh, heavy person and they're walking and I couldn't tell what they were doing. And then I see it's a friend of mine and this guy has had health issues and he is morbidly obese, but he was out walking and he wasn't because he was had somewhere to go other than he was out walking to try and improve himself and do something for his health. And much, I have so much respect for that, you know, and I, I tried to offer him as much encouragement as I can. Uh, just like in our addictions, you know, I think that encouragement, it means so much to a lot of people, helping other people. You see somebody doing something, give them a way to go, you know, keep going. You got this, you know, so. Sure. Now that my I'll wife, my wife, one thing I want to say about my wife, um, two years ago, I bought my Peloton bike. She tried it a couple of times and said, this isn't for me. And then she kept going to the local gym. And then for whatever reason, on her own terms, she decided to give the bike another try. And uh, she started using it every day. And she, uh, this is before the uh, pandemic, she started riding and working out every day. And then I know she would go out for walks, but she would never, she's not a runner or she wasn't a runner. And then last summer, as we were planning a two week vacation away from home, yeah, we actually did go away. We got tested and found that we were negative and kind of sequestered ourselves. Uh, is that the right word? Anyway, uh, we were alone for a couple of weeks in, in a place in the woods and there was a great trail nearby and there wasn't a whole lot of people on it. And she started running uh, because she, wasn't near the peloton bike you know and so she wanted to keep it going and so you know since then we've run some virtual runs together and you know I, i'm so proud of her and i'm glad that i didn't bug her to do it that she did it on her own terms and she's my favorite running buddy sorry mix <laughs> uh, hey shit she i i think you'd have to say sorry to someone else if you said otherwise you're, you're <laughs> definitely not hurting my feelings brother um, that's, that's so cool to just have, you know, have your wife out there with you. Um, you know, our, our partner in life, you know, is, is super awesome when it can also become our favorite workout partner as well. Um, and that's just super special. Um, so yeah, that, that bad boy, I'm seeing that bad boy right behind you too. That, that Peloton is funny too. And I, I remember a funny little story you saying too, that, uh, how you had the bike and then you came home, you told the wife that you were going to get the treadmill or you're thinking about getting the treadmill and you're pretty much expecting her to shut that shit down. And she mm -hmm. didn't <laughs> No, She's like, okay. You know, that's and so cool. she uses it probably a little bit more than I do, you know, but she's out running outside today. So it's actually a nice day here. Look at that. That's so cool. Um, yeah. It's actually, I, it's funny. I was going to wake up. I was going to try and wake up really early this morning and try and get in my, um, 
my long run for the week. I have 10 miles on the menu today. And I was going to try and wake up early enough to get it done before this podcast. And then I couldn't fall asleep last night. Um, so then I, when I saw what the weather was supposed to be, I was like, nah, I'm just going to take the little guy out in the stroller and I'm just going to do it with him. There you go. We'll, we'll both get outside today. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, cause he has his first race tomorrow as well. So we can get his last little, we can get, he, he's in tapering mode. Um, and keep in mind guys, he's only going to be three next month. There's no real taper. Uh, he has a 75 yard dash tomorrow. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. With new kicks. Yeah, 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 which we talked about again last night. So check out the Meet the Gang episode, people. Um, we showed off a lot of fun shoes. Um, and and we talked about shoes and and it was it was good times. So, you know, I think we covered um a lot of what we wanted to talk about today. Um, but 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 actually, and I'm I'm trying to get back to the basics on this one. Um I started some things in the beginning on the first episode. Um, and I, I started kind of wanted to figure out fun ways to close out with people and, and figuring out things. And Phil, who again, last night was keeping me in check every time I would accidentally talk on mute, um, before we started recording today as well, Phil actually brought up something, um, which he put some thought into, which I really, really like because I, I think it's really cool when someone knows that they're going to be on the podcast and they listen to the episodes and they say, hey, this question is probably coming for me. So let me put some thought into this answer. Um, so with that being said, uh, you obviously did exactly that. So let's go ahead and just ask the question. Um, what I like to ask some of our guests is to give us, give me a few people who are, that are in recovery, celebrity or non-celebrity, um, at least just one or two people um, that, that you look up to who inspire you, who motivate you and who kind of get you going and, and, and what, where, where do you get your inspiration, Phil? I get my inspiration from people around me, like unsung heroes, you know, but, um, it, you know, most, I think people like, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are celebrities who are in the program who don't drink, but they kind of like, keep the anonymous part of it, you know, in check or whatever. So we don't hear a whole lot about it, you know, and there's certainly people that are high profile who had some uh, major issues like Robert Downey Jr. who is now, I mean, look at him, you know, he's awesome, you know, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Bernie Perrant, a Philly guy, you know, long time sobriety there, you know, so, but what I really, one of the questions you always um posed in a few of them were what athletes that you really drew inspiration from or who were your athletic heroes and that and I thought about that because like it's like you mentioned I've listened to all the podcasts uh and some of them like uh a bunch of times a couple of times because I get something different out of them and so I think about people who I admire today and they're people who have excelled on their playing field whatever that is but they've even more so um done awesome things out in the real world uh and i think of people like um former eagles chris long who um helped bring a super bowl to philadelphia but more, maybe more importantly he's helped bring water to drought stricken areas of africa and he's tried to bring um computers and education and books into uh poverty stricken parts of our own country here you know 
Uh, I had the pleasure at a Tough Mudder that I was volunteering at a couple of years ago, meeting Noah Galloway, who is a motivational speaker and a uh, obstacle course runner. And he is missing an arm and a leg because of his service to our country. And he stepped on a, um, a, a landmine or a, a bomb of some sort while over in Afghanistan. Uh, Megan Rapina bring bringing attention to women's sports and why uh does the uh, women's uh world cup champion make so much less than just your average team of men who play the same sport you know that, that's something that we need to look at i know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this but colin kaepernick is somebody i think is a great american a lot of people see him as being disrespectful to America, I think quite the opposite. He sees something that is obviously broken and he has taken his voice to put, shine a light on it and, and hopefully bring about some change. And I think he has uh, suffered somewhat uh, for it. Uh, I think definitely if he just had a stood up and, and uh, stood at attention for the national anthem. He would have got signed at some team and all like that. And a lot of people think it's wrong to, uh, not to get too political here. They think it's wrong to uh, criticize things that are going on in this country. I think it's patriotic to see what's wrong and to stand up and try and fix it. So that's my soapbox. I'm going to shut up now. You can hey, edit hey, that out if you want. <laughs> hey, we, we got to do what we got to do. And, and, and actually what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to edit it out, but I'm just going to kind of go ahead and throw some disclaimers as well. Um, what we're doing here is we're not bashing people. Um, this is just one man experience, um, sharing his feelings on, on his upbringing, what he grew up, what he was seeing and, and the values that meant to him. Um, and then, and then looking in a different light when changing his life and then seeing, um, you know, what he wants to look at for values now and what he wants to gain from people looking into them. Um, so so I don't think that there is anything wrong with that. Um, I also don't think that there's anything wrong with anybody listening to this that can, I mean, just disagree with everything you said 100%. That doesn't make them wrong either because that is their opinion. Um, you know, your heroes might not be someone else's heroes and vice versa. Um, the one thing I definitely want to 100% say is we're not here to offend anyone. We're not here to push our views on anyone. This is one person who was asked a question and just <laughs> answering it. So that's all. Um, so please, nobody be offended. We didn't mean to disrespect anyone, even though a lot of names were dropped. It was it was definitely not the intention. We're trying to build light. Um, everybody has their own situation. Everybody has things to deal with in life. And again, these are just these are just people that have impacted Phil's life in one way or another. And and that's all we're talking about there. Um, so with that being said, um, this was this was a lot of fun today. Um, and do you have do you have anything else you want to share with our listeners today, Phil? Um, yeah, one more. Can I tell a quick story? Yeah, go for it. Okay, one of the uh, ODAT members on the Facebook page today uh, shared how uh, he got pulled over by the police. Um, <laughs> and well, and he didn't it, get pulled over. He hit a checkpoint. He hit a checkpoint. Yeah, and. And he was very happy to be happy and sober. And we won't say names, but we know who we're talking about. And, yeah. and we know he listens to the podcast too. So he's probably mm -hmm. cracking a smirk right now. 
Yeah, it was like 10 years ago next month, I got pulled over and it was a great night. I was with my then fiance and a friend of mine from AA and we went to the Phillies game and it was a long game. It was extra innings. It was on May 2nd of uh, 2011. And I would have been at a normal game in the old days. I wouldn't have remembered much past the fifth or sixth inning, you know, but the game went to like 15, 16 innings. It was crazy. And I'm sitting there in the stands and this long game. And I heard the guy behind me say, they just killed Osama bin Laden. And I'm like, what did you just say? And he told me, and the Phillies never made an announcement that night, but about five minutes later, you could hear this low rumble going through the crowd and it was USA, USA, USA. And next thing you know, within 30 seconds, it was rocking. The place was going nuts. And, and it turned out it was true, you know, and, um, and there was such a feeling of unity that really uh, were a little bit that doesn't exist today, but uh, it was, it, and the Phillies ended up losing, but I never had so much fun of the game where the Phillies lost. And I dropped my uh, fiance off. I dropped my friend off and I'm coming out of Westchester and it's quarter after two. And I got my Phillies Jersey on and the bars just closed. And I pull out onto uh, Route 100. And next thing I know, there's the flashing lights behind me and I'm like, Oh, great. Yeah. You know? So he, Sir, uh, you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, honestly, I don't, you know? And he goes, you've been drinking tonight, sir? I'm like, honestly, you're about two years too late for that one, you know? <laughs> so he said that I uh, ran a stop sign and I was speeding, but he gave, you know, which was BS because he just gave me a warning. He didn't, you know, he was looking for, uh, it was quarter after two. He was looking for he people he was who doing. were drinking and driving. And we all knew what he was doing. Ah, uh, it felt, you know, it, it, you know, I'm trying to be as stoic as I can while I'm talking to him, but inside I'm like, ha 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 ha, you're not no, getting absolutely. me, you're not getting me tonight, pal, not for that crime, you know, so, That's and, just it, saying, and it's kind of ironic, because there was a million times before where I actually should have gotten pulled over, and got thrown sure. in jail for the night but it's funny too that actually reminds me uh one little quick story i actually have i remember uh, a few months into my uh sobriety um i was hitting a checkpoint and it was a similar situation the guy goes have you had anything to drink tonight and uh me just being an asshole it was something about the cop's tone the way he said it or he didn't say um i think he asked me how much i had to drink or something like that i was i was leaving i think i was leaving the casino or something um and just the way he said it he kind of just assumed uh, how much have you had to drink tonight? And uh, I think me just being me, I was like, all right, cool. If you're going to be an asshole, I can be an asshole too. Cause I know I have nothing to lose. Like I'm, I'm not getting in any trouble here. I'm breaking zero laws. This is a checkpoint, like whatever. So I remember saying, honestly, I'm not sure. And uh, I remember I, I was like, I have nowhere to be at, at a certain time right now. I have all the time in the world. And so I was like, you know what? If you're going to be a jerk, I'm going to, I, I kind of wanted to almost like, coach him into go ahead pull me out of the vehicle and put me in a field sobriety test that can make you feel like an asshole and make you waste your time and uh it never happened i think he caught on very quick that i was just like uh -huh. looping him around but i remember thinking go ahead it's a it's a nice it's a nice june evening i don't mind getting out of my car it's it's cool it is what it is and uh you know it never got that point but i remember thinking like it is what it is uh 
go ahead, try whatever you have. Cause you just want to assume. And, and like we, like we keep saying too, it's so cool when you don't have to worry, shit, is he going to notice? Am I going to jail tonight? Is this the time and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just such a great feeling. Um, now I see the checkpoint and I'm like the hell with it. Like it is what it is. Let's just keep it moving. Yeah, I never got it. I never saw a checkpoint, so I don't know. Lucky you. So, all right. I, I think that's everything for today, Phil. I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. You were an awesome guest. It was so much fun talking to you. Um, you're a great human being and someone that I can now personally call a friend. And I, I love everything about that. Um, Phil, before we let you go, all I want to say is that we just ask you to continue staying healthy, continue staying fit. And Phil, tell us how you're doing it, brother. One day at a time, brother. My man. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Staying Fit Odette. If you yourself identify as someone in recovery, whether it be from alcoholism, substance abuse, anxiety, depression, or any other type of mental health issue, then please join the group on Facebook at Staying Fit O-D-A-A-T, three different words. If you do not identify as someone in recovery, but you like everything we have going on and you want to continue staying in the loop with everything, then please follow us on Instagram at Staying Fit O-D-A-A-T, you can also email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at stayingfitodaat at gmail.com. Until next time, just know you're loved, continue staying healthy, continue staying fit, and please keep doing this one day at a time.